The Polish National Catholic Church was formed in 1897 in Scranton, Pennsylvania, when Polish, Lithuanian, and other Eastern European Catholic immigrants believed, uh, felt that they were being neglected and mistreated by the Irish and German bishops of Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Chicago. A Polish priest named Francis Hodor appealed directly to Pope Leo XIII, asking that Polish-speaking priests be sent to the coal regions to minister to the tens of thousands of Polish Catholics there. Pope Leo returned the matter to the American bishops to resolve. And you guessed it, the American bishops made sure that they got a whole new crop of German and Irish priests. This culminated in a riot between the parishes of St. Mary's and Sacred Heart of Jesus, and 20 supporters of Father Hoder were clubbed and beaten by police and parapolice security agents and thrown into jail. That led to Father Hoder breaking with the American bishops, and he was eventually excommunicated and led more than 20,000 Catholics to form the Polish National Catholic Church, which continues around the world today. In our first reading this morning, we see that even God's people can be suspicious and jealous and strike out against one another, even unfairly. But we're told the solution to this problem, the um, remedy, in the second reading this morning, where St. Paul tells us that Holy Spirit, in the languages of the Bible, there's no definite article, the Holy Spirit. Hebrew and Greek, we say Holy Spirit. I think putting the definite article distances us from the personality of the Spirit of God. And Paul tells us that Holy Spirit sheds abroad in our hearts the love of God. And when we have that love within us, we can see the other as gift from God to us. I was in the Holy Land for the papal pilgrimage of Pope St. John Paul the Great from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And you know I have a Hebrew middle name, Chaim. And I was told to be certain that my passport had no Hebrew stamps on it from Israel. So when I arrived in Israel, I asked them to uh, stamp the um, visa on a separate piece of paper and keep my um, passport clean 
so that when I was passing from Israel into the Palestinian territories, I would not be identified as a Jew. And uh, I was also instructed, make sure all your papers are in Arabic. So I hired an Arab-speaking college student to translate all my paperwork into Arabic. And as well, I hired a Muslim Arab driver to drive me from Jerusalem across the border into Palestine, which is where Bethlehem is. At that time, the border crossing was very contentious. In fact, just a month later, the second intifada would break out in the West Bank, just near to Bethlehem. And uh, we got to the border, and my driver rolled down the window. Now, there were two paramilitary forces that were uh, responsible at the border crossing, and they were in conflict with each other. So when we drove in, there was a phalanx of, uh, of uh, armed men on one side of the car and a phalanx of armed men on the other side of the car, and they were uh, in opposition to each other. Who was in control? We drove up, the driver rolled down the window, and he put out the papers, and the two sides... Uh, paramilitary started screaming at each other and they're brandishing very large weapons pistols, assault rifles and I'm in the back seat, the driver is keeping quiet, his hands are shaking and they're screaming at each other brandishing these weapons and I'm thinking if they start shooting at each other, I'm in the middle and uh, the driver, sensing my fear, uh, put his hands out the window and tried to sort of calm the, the, the factions. And uh, being very careful, uh, he put his hand on the door and he opened the door very slowly. He wanted to make sure nobody started shooting. And he stepped out of the car and he made an appeal. I don't speak Arabic, so I didn't know what he was saying, but he made a quiet appeal, and he was trying to calm uh, the men. And then he walked away with them, quietly speaking, taking the guns away from the car and away from me. And off to the uh, side, uh, he turned the attention to himself, and I could see that he was negotiating. And he was uh, making some uh, representations, and then the guns were lowered, and uh, the shouting stopped, and he returned to the car, didn't say a word, came in, sat down, started the car, and uh, they waved on, and, and we drove on to our destination. That Muslim man took his life into his own hands to be sure that I reached my destination safely. We see in the gospel this morning in the uh, encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman that when we think we have nothing in common with the other, it is easy to be suspicious, jealous, and fearful of the other. The Samaritan woman says, Jews have nothing in common with Samaritans. Uh, now, maybe you don't know what was going on here. 
The Samaritans prayed in the Aramaic language. The Jews in Hebrew. I know what you're thinking. (gasps) But when I was growing up in Hebrew school, guess what? We learned Aramaic and Hebrew. Because reconciliation is possible. Even between God's people. Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, if you only knew who it was speaking to you. When we see God in the other, the other country, the other culture, the other language, the other religion, the other person, when we see God in the other, then we can receive that person as God's gift to us. And that's especially true when somebody brings some trouble into our lives. We need to pause for a moment and say, why is God giving me this person at this time in my life? What am I to learn from her? What am I to learn from him. What is God doing in me by bringing this person to me in my life at this time? When we see God in the other, we can receive that person as a gift from God to us. And so I leave you with this question this morning. Who should I see as God's gift to me.